even when I'm out. I'm in. Hey, welcome back to Screen Crush. I'm Ryan Airy, and I want to talk to you guys about Secret Invasion Episode 4. This is a show that I am rooting for, a show that should be shaking the foundations of the MCU. And yet, they just gave us one of the biggest reveals ever in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and no one cares. Is it because of low ratings, or is there something else behind this? So I'm going to talk about why I think all this is, and what the show has done right and wrong. And a little later, I'm going to be joined by Nando V Movies and Paul from Heavy Spoilers. But first, here's my take. What's really surprised me about this show is the viewer apathy. So I did a poll on our community page, and this is how you all voted. 55% of Screen Crush viewers like the show, 14% don't like it, and a whopping one third are not watching the show yet. I mean, guys, you're part of Screen Crush Nation here. We're used to watching every MCU show in the morning before we go to work. So like, what's going on here? I'm wondering if we've been seeing something with this show where it almost feels obligatory. Like Marvel is ticking off boxes of things that need to happen in order to set up the future, like Fury and the Marvels and President Ross and Captain America Brave New World. Now, look, there's nothing wrong with the MCU using time to set up future projects. Captain America Civil War was basically all set up for Infinity War, but it was done with elegant writing, clockwork precision, and it put its characters first. That movie had scale, substance, it was a fanboy dream come true. And Secret Invasion's comic book storyline would have also been a fanboy dream come true. Massive scale, hundreds of heroes. The show does not have the artistry, scale, or budget that this story deserves. I mean, this is not the same level of MCU show that we saw back in 2021. But look, first I want to be fair and point out like what the show is doing right. For one, they have done an exceptional job with the scrolls. The scrolls look great. They have believable motivations and they're so sympathetic. So I think the scrolls in the MCU are actually way more nuanced and interesting than they are in the comics. And the show also has these world-class actors putting on a clinic. Samuel L. Jackson is bringing the weight. And did you get what you wanted from this life, even so. But he's also having fun. Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? And speaking of torture scenes, Olivia Coleman is a treasure. Alone at last. Now, shall we do this the easy way or the other way? Now, all of the character-based drama with Fury works pretty well, like his strained relationship with his wife. You just up and vanished again. Only this time it was voluntary. But one flaw with all of this is, though, that there's a lot of telling us things in this show instead of showing us. We don't see Fury post-blip. We don't see him lose faith in the heroes. We just kind of hear that he's been depressed. After the blip, you were different. I think Thanos' snap changed you. You were never the same after the blip. Even when you did come back, there was no talking to you about anything real. He's been broken ever since he came back from the blip. And by the way, the entire show's premise has been undermined because we actually saw Fury in the Marvel's trailer, so we know that things are going to work out just fine. Well, that could be a life model decoy. Yes, it could be an LMD, that's correct. Hey, person. Yeah, buddy? How do you know so much about uh, films and movies and stuff? Did you go to a film school? Like a cinema university kind of thing? No, well, I mean, I kind of did, but mostly I just watch a lot of movies, and I watch a lot of documentaries about movies. There's actually a great docu-series I highly recommend for you called Crash Course. There's terrific episodes about film criticism and film history. They're entertaining, informative, and you will be a film expert in no time. Oh, and where can I find that delightful documentary series? Well, it's one of thousands of documentaries on CuriosityStream. They're the 
the sponsor of this video. I watch a lot of video essays and I see Curiosity Stream advertised all the time. So I finally checked it out. Now I'm hooked. Plans started just $5 a month, so it is incredibly affordable. Plus they have monthly and annual plans, so you can choose the plan that works out best for you and your budget. Curiosity Stream has an unbelievable variety. Like when The Last of Us was on, I watched a great doc series on there called Attack of the Zombie Fungus. It shows how the inspiration for The Last of Us fungus actually infects ants, turns them into zombies to spread their spores. It's very cool. Curiosity Stream has so many award-winning and original documentaries like this that you can't find anywhere else. I mean, we're talking docs on science, nature, history, music, tech, and of course, film. Also watched a great series on film composers that I highly recommend. New content drops on Curiosity Stream every week and you can watch on multiple devices. Curiosity Stream is great for people who love to learn and there is something here for everyone. So I highly recommend Curiosity Stream. Go to curiositystream.com slash screencrush or scan the QR code for unlimited access to the world's top documentaries and nonfiction series. And for our fans, use promo code screencrush and you will save 25% off. So click the link below or go to curiositystream.com slash screencrush and save 25% right now. Now back to Secret Invasion. So the real problem with this show is that it feels small. Even though the world is threatened with extinction, it doesn't feel like it. Like I watch the show and I don't feel threatened. And the best example of this is the lazy, uneventful Rhodey is a scroll reveal. So we've talked about this extensively on the channel. I have been excited for Rhodey to turn out to be a scroll for years. We did a video breaking down how long Grody could have been a scroll and what this would mean for the MCU. I mean, this reveal had the potential to be universe shattering. It would have made us question everything we've known about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But instead, we got the reveal over the phone. St. James Church, one hour. Now, okay, granted, the captions do say, man on phone, but that's Don Cheadle. He's one of the most famous people on the planet. I mean, wouldn't a scroll have at least changed into someone else to disguise their voice over the phone? And this reveal was just way too easy to see coming. He treats Fury like dirt a couple episodes before. He fires Fury. And to tell him without any reservation, that he's fired. And he just doesn't act like the man of honor that we've come to know over the past 15 years. Or then how should they have done the reveal? Make me feel something. Like, okay, Fury tells Rhodey about the scrolls, and Rhodey's like, oh my god, scrolls. Well, let's do something about this. What's a scroll? Let's get, hop into action here. And then later on in the episode, you could reveal to the audience that Rhodey is a scroll. So there's a ticking clock creating suspense. Or maybe you don't reveal it to the audience and you have Fury and Rhodey working together throughout the show. And then you can pull the rug out from under Fury and us at the same time. That would make us go back through the entire MCU and think, oh my god, how long has Rhodey been a scroll? Who else could be a scroll? It should have been the moment of the show. I mean, look, this is a spy thriller about shape-shifting aliens. Someone's gonna be a shape-shifting alien. There were very few candidates for this, and Rhodey was always the best choice. No powers. He's known Tony Stark for years, and he's been there from the start. They could have revealed that he's been a scroll since Iron Man 2, sent to study Tony Stark and infiltrate the Avengers. But I'm betting that now, Rhodey will have been replaced just after Avengers Endgame, because the scrolls have only recently turned evil. And it's such a shame too, because like, imagine if they find the real Rhodey and they wake him up and his first question is, ooh, where's Tony? Oh my goodness, that would be awesome. Right? Like in the comics, there's a huge cast of characters, lots of moving parts. You're not actually sure who you can trust. After Elektra, Spider-Woman, and Hank Pym were revealed to be Skrulls, you suspected everyone. But in the show, there's budget constraints. They can't pay royalties in a lot of characters just for a Disney Plus show. And plus the sets feel small. The scale feels small. This is a global drama that is playing out 
in small rooms. Even a big set piece like the motorcade attack, which is really cool, but it feels small. Like all the fog that rolls in for the fight scene, I bet that's to obscure the background and save money on CGI rendering. And I don't even want to say, well, that's a TV budget for you because Amazon Prime's Jack Ryan is a political spy thriller like this and the show looks fantastic. Look, if Secret Invasion is not going to be a massive crossover, fine. It's actually really perfect to reinvent as a spy thriller, but it's a spy thriller that should look and feel like a mashup of the Bourne Identity and Tom Clancy movies like Clear and Present Danger. See, that's my point. Even if the show doesn't involve superheroes, the stakes need to feel big, and they don't. Disney Plus Marvel shows used to be better than TV because they were the MCU. And I know that part of this is like a product of their times. When Disney launched Disney Plus, they needed marquee shows to pull in new subscribers. So they threw these insane budgets at WandaVision, Falcon the Winter Soldier, Loki, The Mandalorian. Even Andor Season 1 cost a quarter of a billion dollars. Billions with a B. Creator Tony Gilroy has even said that there's no way that kind of budget would be greenlit today. Although it did pay off with that Emmy nomination for Best Drama though. What? What? Now this happened in large part because in 2020, studios had a major revenue stream cut off. So we entered into the streaming wars. Warner Brothers was releasing theatrical movies the same day on streaming. I mean, look, all of this was a gold rush that has now completely burst. Max, Disney Plus, and Paramount Plus are all removing shows from their servers to save money and claim them as losses. Disney laid off 7,000 employees as Disney Plus was also losing a ton of money. And then we really started to see these purse strings begin to tighten in 2022. Like She-Hawk though, right? Okay, so I know people dunk on that show a lot and it's got plenty of problems with Marvel changing around the episode order and moving stuff around and making Scar look like this. But like when you go back and you watch the She-Hawk Marvel Assembled series, you can see that a lot of time and care went into the production of this show. They filmed Tatiana Maslany in a very expensive room to fully render her character in 3D. It also requires about 50 cameras set up in a volume. But then I got gotta think they were forced to cut corners in post because throughout most of the series, Jen looks like a Sims character. And the same thing's true in Ms. Marvel. So the show had massive production problems because of COVID shutdowns. But that like big climax in the Pakistani market was embarrassing. Look at this CGI. It's like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. level CGI. And I've also heard that the clandestines couldn't have powers because of budget constraints. So both of these shows had so much to love in them and I actually think that we're gonna look back on them fondly. But at the time, cutting the corners made the shows feel cheap. And now we're seeing the same problem in the films. My name is Darren. Now we're seeing a tightened budget take its toll on Secret Invasion. Again, apart from the wet fart of the roadie reveal, I don't think the show is bad. It's fine, but it should have been epic. I don't want Marvel streaming shows to stop. I love Marvel streaming shows. I love covering them on the channel. But what I do want is for the house that Kevin built to start choosing its projects a little more wisely. Like take that Agatha and Echo budget and apply it to crucial stories like Secret Invasion that need to feel huge. If they don't do that, then all the shows are going to keep feeling half-assed and obligatory. But those are just my thoughts. Now I'm joined by two of my favorite YouTubers. We have Paul from Heavy Spoilers and Matt from Nando V Movies. So I'm pretty excited to hear from both of you about this. Uh, Nando, I want to start with you. So years ago, now, but I think before you even broke, you posted this great video we've talked about on the channel about, hey, here's the proof Rhodey could be a scroll. And this is like pre-endgame theorizing you did. And it was, it was pretty great. We've talked about that video a lot on the channel just during this show. So now that we have the roadie scroll reveal, what were your thoughts on, on how it was executed? So I think it's interesting because I think part, part of what I've been trying to kind of figure out is it, it felt weird. Roadies felt weird for the last two or three episodes, right? Like he feels like he's more of a jerk and he's very cavalier. And it's even like different from 
you know, because Rhodey's always been kind of a loose cannon, or like he's he's been, I, I don't know, a straight shooter. I don't know what you would call that kind of character, but like he's been that. And I do feel like they they kind of went, well, listen, people aren't going to buy this unless we turn it up to eleven, and maybe the you know decision there or like the uh rationalization is he just hates nick fury so much that if you put him in a room with nick fury he is gonna chew him out and like but i don't know i think uh, on the whole i'm glad they made it official like they just took the scroll face and then turned it into roadie face like that was great um uh because i i would not want weeks and weeks of you know this like kind of limbo and um but i think like and I think it's fun when him and Fury have this back and forth where they both know the other one knows the thing. Uh, but I do think it feels kind of like if that wasn't there, the show would really be struggling to kind of have something interesting to talk about. So I'm glad they but did it. Don't you think, though, that the, the, the part where you're like, yeah, he's acting weird and maybe he hates Fury so much. I, wasn't that undermined by the fact that they had never shared the screen before? You know, if they had to, if they had been two characters with a history, I'm you know just going to cherry pick. I'm going to say if it had been, um, say Tony and Steve in that scene, you know, if like the universe would have worked out different, we were doing Secret Invasion instead of Civil War. If it had been Tony and Steve, then it'd be like, wow, these two really have been building up with this beef and they have this shared history. But in this, it just kind of felt did it, did it seem obligatory to you almost? I'll- yeah, a little bit. I do feel like they kind of probably told Don Cheadle, like, you're a villain in this scene. So, like, you know, really go for it. We want algae rhythm from Space Jam, but, you know, slightly less uh, Warner. But the idea of, like, I think it could have worked a little bit better if this scroll had some sort of history with Nick Fury. Like, if we had done flashbacks mm. earlier to seeing how this scroll and Nick Fury had interacted, like, we still don't even know which one this is. I mean, we know the name because of the, you know, the credits. But besides that, like... There was a point where you're kind of wondering, like, oh, because especially when you see it's a woman, like a scroll uh, woman, before you see the name, you're like, oh, is this the wife? Does she I hate thought it was Yeah, that would have been great. She faked her death? Yeah. yeah. And then you're like, okay, now this relationship, like, this dynamic makes sense because of a relationship that doesn't really have anything to do with War Machine. But it's not that, and it's not Gaia, and it's so it's it's just very strange. Um, but yeah, just like how in the comics, sorry, just like how in the comics, you know, Hank Pym had been acting strange for like twenty issues before he was mm-hmm. revealed to be a scroll during Secret Invasion. Paul, how about you? You know, just talking about the Rhodey reveal, um, did you do you feel like that was satisfying? Did they drop the ball? What are your thoughts on it? Drop the ball in it massively, yeah. So they did the reveal over the phone last week, and it was. I'm going to out myself as an idiot right now, but I didn't even realize it was Rhodey on the phone. I thought it was like Pagan because <laughs> it was so obvious that right. Rhodey was going to be the scroll. Because, I mean, let, let's look at scroll candidates for the show. Everett sure. Ross, you know, that one kind of, mm. kind of, whoa, whoa, Everett Ross is a scroll. First um, five I, minutes, done. Yeah, yep. exactly. And then <laughs> who, who are you left with? You've got the scroll characters, Nick Fury, Maria Hill, who dies in the first episode, and Rhodey. And I can't think of any other characters off the top of my head right now. Maybe the president. But well, yeah, what about was... Olivia Coleman or whatever her name is? Sonia, yeah. you know? Yeah. Another True. character yeah. who's... A.K.A. Maybe the best a character on the show so far. Yeah, but yeah. we don't have a history with her. You know, this is the first time yeah. she's appeared in the show. And obviously they're making Secret Invasion. Going off the comics, the, the reveal is, whoa, these characters have been scrolls for ages. The only other character who's been there for ages, other than Maria Hill, who's dead 
is Rhodey. So it kind of right. it narrowed it down very, very, very loosely. Um, and yeah, I, I think it just became obvious. It was almost like the the power broker with Sharon Shannon Carter. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Sharon, I keep I keep calling her Sharon. But um, it's so yeah, embarrassing. So, yeah, it, it, yeah. It was kind of where you knew it was you knew it was going to happen, and it was so obvious that it was almost like a red herring. And then when Sharon at the end of Falcon the Winter Soldier, she got on the phone. It was just like, oh yeah, I've been thinking for the last week. It's so obvious. I've not even made videos saying that it's her because of how obvious it is. And yeah, I just thought with Rhodey, it was it was abundantly clear exactly what it was going to be. Now going back to the whole Soren thing, I actually had a theory that what was going to happen was that Rhodey was going to be revealed to be Soren, and you know how in the trailers we had Gaia resting over a body after the convoy attack. Which is obviously, right. we know that's Talos now. Um, but I thought what the twist was going to be was that the roadie would get killed in the convoy attack and then it would be revealed to be Sorin. So you'd have mm. Talos and um, Gaia both having this big... Because, I mean, if they were going with the obvious route of roadie being a scroll, I, I feel like they needed another twist on top of that. And revealing that it was Sorin, I think, would have just elevated it a bit more because they both thought she was dead. Uh, but yeah, just disappointing over the phone. Um, I think the way they should have handled it was, you know, a character actually learning it instead of, or face to face at least, because Nick finds out the definite listening in on the conversation. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, he doesn't even look that shocked, to be honest, which, you know, it kind of plays into his character that he's aware of everything. But, you know, you know, like Darth Vader being Luke's father, spoiler alert, the the emotion is that you're feeling in that moment is represented in Luke who's screaming out and so you get an embodiment of your feelings on screen whereas with this you didn't really have a character giving a reaction to it it was just kind of Nick just chilling out like yeah known her for a while so yeah just just fell flat um it was the most (laughs) obvious reveal that was going to be in the show but I still think they could have done more with it and you're 100% right. There was no sense of, of personal betrayal toward the character, and hence no sense of personal betrayal toward us. Um, and a lot of it goes back to what I was saying earlier about the show feeling small. And it's not just that, you know, there are there are intense uh, dramas that are technically, like uh, theatrical dramas, that are technically quite small, that are filmed in small spaces, but feel theatrical and feel big because of the emotions on screen. And I'm just not getting that from this show. I'm not getting high stakes on the world stage. I'm not getting like high personal stakes. Maybe it's because we didn't see Soren die. It just feels to me like it's obligatory. Paul, what's your thoughts on the show so far? I know you were a big fan of the first two episodes. Yeah, you know, I enjoyed what, three where, as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think this one was the worst one. And it was also the shortest one, which whenever they kind of have a certain set length that, that they tend to do whenever they inevitably release the one that's in the 30 minute range you always kind of get a feeling that they're sort of rushing through things Um, and it always happens towards the end of the series as well where things should be really mounting up and instead it kind of almost falls flat a bit and and yeah the i mean the reveals this week were obvious guy is alive yeah we guessed that um Scroll roadie and Ivan you I mean I could tell Talos was gonna die as well just from what had been shown in the trailers and yeah it just kind of felt like they were going through the motions I agree with the whole scale thing as well I think you know they keep telling us it's World War 3 and we do mm-hmm. kind of get that idea almost but 
the characters aren't there who would be who would be present for a World War Three yeah. thing. Where are the you know Captain America would be sorting out things for World War Three because he he pretty much encompasses that country and their dealings internationally and stuff um, on combat levels. So yeah, it just feels like. It's a Disney Plus show. At the end of the day, that's just what it feels like. It's not that. When it should next feel like level. a part of the MCU. Yeah. Yeah. Shame uh, Nando, we don't how about have you? Any what are your high profile... I was just going to say, it's a shame we don't have any high profile Russian characters in the MCU that we could throw to right now that could be, you know, yeah. getting involved. And then it's like, oh, he's here. Very convenient, but also mm-hmm. maybe too convenient. I do feel like, as we've been talking about it, it did kind of bring up one of the weirdest things about the Rhodey Scroll reveal, which is like, he's a bad guy before and after the reveal right mm-hmm. like wouldn't you expect in the beginning of it he's helping roadie or he's helping fury excuse me roadie and then he's come like you know uh, he's not firing him and not being mean to him and then you get a moment where it like turns it's like oh my god this person i thought i could trust like it's it's just so it the dynamics are so strange i uh, parts of this scale i i totally agree with um Parts of it, I also think, I do, I do think, and I don't want to, you know, upset anybody. Some of these guys just feel tired. Like, it feels like like we got, we got you know, especially Talos, who I love, and I think Ben Mendelsohn is doing a very good job, has a very, like, exhausted energy because this character has seen mm-hmm. a lot of suffering and whatever, and he's just, like, done. At the same time, we have this roadie who's, or, excuse me, jeez, we have this Fury who's off his game, and he's just sitting there in the chair like, oh, man, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And so you need, I feel like what we need is a character in the middle of that who has some energy, who's able to kind of keep this ball moving, because a lot of the, especially in the first couple episodes, the scenes just felt very, like, I don't know, low, low energy. It's disappointing as fans of the comic books, you know, because when, you know, I remember reading that event when it came out and being like, oh my God, like it really, it was such a great concept that harkened back to like the very earliest issues of the Fantastic Four. And they had all these things where they like went back and made you relook at events from the past. Like they took old Marvel comics of scrolls and was like, ah, but here's what you didn't see, you know? So they were kind of retconning things to build up the current day storyline comic's not perfect there was the whole like there was this badass thing where every time a scroll would kill someone they would say he loves you and you're like oh who is that who's he mm-hmm. turned out to just be the scroll god so it wasn't perfect like you know no moral crossover can be but it was epic and i understand it's a scaled down spy thriller but when you watch certain spy thriller the, the conversation right not even a spy thriller it's a surveillance thriller Regine hackman that movie is in tight claustrophobic spaces it's about spies and listening in but it feels big because the dramatic stakes are big and that's something that in this show i'm like i don't it's so hard for me to understand what's not clicking because this is a world-class cast academy award nominee samuel jackson academy award winner olivia coleman amelia clark insane work that they're doing in individual scenes but it's like as a whole the show isn't coming together and i wonder how much of that is because of behind the scenes at Marvel. You know, we saw all this money put into streaming at first, like I talked about earlier. And now we've got, you know, at the end of the Chapek area, this beginning to like scale back. I think yeah. it's kind of almost the opposite problem with, or like the, it, the there's the opposite solution, which is like, and part of it is Coven of Chaos, because I do think that could be kind of an inflection point here. It's such a weird pitch 
beyond just <clears throat> this character had the popular song and like was is played by an actor people generally like and all that um like i think the problem with some of these is that if you pitched the secret invasion show we're watching the pitch would make no sense like not because the show is bad or anything just because it's like it's this one spy and his friend who's a uh, secret shape-shifting alien and they have other shape-shifting aliens that are different from the other ones and they're not friends and this guy's in there and it's just like too it's too complicated whereas i think what they need more of and what i think they've been able to do well like you were saying 2021 because the other thing they did really well in 2021 was like shang chi and you know black widow maybe not as much but like there were there were some movies that felt like real kind of just fresh new things that you could jump right onto because you would if even if no one watched the marvel movies you'd say well i know but it's like a you know he does super kung fu and he's really cool and that that's all you need like i think agatha could be that if it's just a really fun show where you're like you, someone who never watches these shows you go yeah i know you, you haven't ever seen it but it's charmed and one of the witches is evil and they sing every so often like and it's really good that i think is what marvel needs and what guardians was and what a lot of these things are are these shows you watch in spite of the fact that they're like marvel properties like not andor really did break this for me because like andor is it was so good it was so disconnected from so much of the rest of it but it was also just so it's so well done you felt so excited to tell other people about the show you just found out about and like fight them on like people who just like were like i don't like star wars i'm like i know but you're gonna like it i i, I think there need to be instead of being like these really obvious moves like let's get iron heart in because she's the next iron man people like iron man i do feel like i need to know what the pitch for that show is besides you know kid doing iron man stuff in college like what is the what makes this something that people really want to watch yeah and just to briefly touch on what paul said earlier about like thinking every character can be a success i think she hawk could be a success she hawk's a great character i don't oh, yeah. think a disney plus show is the right place to be introducing new characters the formula in 2021 you know matt you mentioned it's mm. shang chi and the eternals on the big screen new characters big screen people will watch a disney plus show for the big screen characters and then mm. they'll want to see those you know other care it's like i think they're, they 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 inverted that formula in 2022 right and i just think we need a balance between the two that makes a lot of sense though yeah that is a good pipeline for like how they have been successful before and how comics kind of would work where you'd have a character you know introduced in a big event or an ongoing thing that was really popular and then they get their own little spin-off book once they're really kind of working and you know well, you want to see panther. more of their day-to-day -day. black panther was in civil war exactly um, yep yeah, mm -hmm. and then you got you got and Spider Man, yeah. like the MCU version of Spider Man, which yeah. worked really well. And you could have easily that taken been Black Panther way, after Civil War and mm. put him in a Disney Plus show if that had existed at the time, and I think that would have been a success. You know, it's just I don't know. And then like I keep I, in my mind, it keeps going back to She Hulk, how they rearranged everything at the last minute, how unfinished the VFX were. When you watch Marvel Assembled, those people worked really hard on that show, and it just didn't have the proper time and care in the pipeline that it should have nando where can the people find you i mean everywhere if you if you, there's a thing and you put the words nando v movies in it then it usually comes up with my thing we have a discord we have you know obviously youtube channel nando cut is a secondary channel um which has been very helpful since every day is some new insane casting announcement and uh then i have a podcast called mostly nitpicking 
where we talk about either the big thing of that week or some other thing, some other movie that's kind of leading up to it. So we just did the Haunted Mansion movie from 20 years ago, uh, which is a terrifying sentence to say out loud um, as someone who is over 30. So, yeah, uh, the, all those things. Um, and, um, yeah. Paul, how about you? Where can the people find you? Heavy spoilers. Every Wednesday uh, after Secret Invasion airs, come, o- come over Come over there to yeah. us, please. Yeah. Essentially, Paul makes the videos in real time. So the mm. very, like, it's mm. sort of like they travel faster than the speed of light. So the, his breakdowns come up before the episode even airs. And just a reminder, everyone, to get 25% off Curiosity Stream right now. Click our link in the description and use the code ScreenCrush or scan this QR code. You won't regret it. This site is awesome. But what do you guys think of all this? Let me know in the comments below or at me on Twitter. And if it's your first time here, please subscribe, smash that bell for alerts. For Screen Crush, I'm Ryan Airy. <laughs>